Got your Bible, open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're starting a new series today called Focus. Kind of a mini-series, and we take this time at the beginning of fall every year because uh, this is a time for us to get focused and get back in the groove of things, right? People still aren't quite in the groove of things, right? How many of y'all, if you have kids, your kids started school this week? Tomorrow. Yours start tomorrow? See, mine started Tuesday, so yes, uh, and some people are like, well, I like my kids at home. Good for you. Uh, good, good for you. Uh, I love my children too, but I love uh, bringing them to school. And uh, so we actually did one last hoorah on Monday, a week ago tomorrow, and we brought them to Holly Beach. And we thought, boy, this, we're going to do one last thing and bring them to the beach. And we brought some of the neighbor's kids, and we got both cars stuck on the beach. Have you ever had one of those moments where you thought, we should have just quit and not done one last hoorah. <laughs> we should have just brought them to TCBY. So my wife calls me, she says, I'm stuck. I'm like, what do you mean you're stuck? I'm in the sand. I'm on the beach. I'm stuck. I said, okay, I'll come get you. So I leave the kids on the beach uh, and I drive down. She's maybe half a mile away. So I'm in my truck. And I, I hook up to her, and then I get stuck, man. And we're both buried in the sand on the beach. I know some of you sand monkeys, you, you're down there all the time. So it's like, ha, ha, sucker. Uh, but but, but it, was, it was horrible. Anyway, long story short, had to put it in four low, give it up for four-wheel drive, and uh, pulled us both out. We got out. But that was our last two rows. So, so our kids are back in uh, the swing of things. So we take this time, three weeks of prayer, 21 days of prayer prayer just to help us get refocused and get back into the routine of things because any move or in, uh, uh, any move towards order brings pleasure. How I many of you know that? Any move or anytime you bring order to something, it brings pleasure. Now, it may not be pleasurable while you're doing it, but how many of y'all have ever uh, uh, washed your car after about three years of children? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You find them french fries, and they look just as good today <laughs> as they did three years ago. There ain't no mold, no that, and they probably taste just as good. I mean, but I remember whenever we had, we had a forerunner, and the kids had grown out of there, you know, it was like four or five years old, and you think, okay, they're five now. They won't get food everywhere, psych. Uh, yeah, they will. But, you know, you go clean the car, and the car maybe hadn't been cleaned in a couple of years, and you bring that car in order and then whenever you get into it you feel what feels good doesn't it? it's just like man I wouldn't think that it would feel that good how many ever clean your closet before you yes and you step into your closet and you're like man it feels good in here a year before last I know it's time to do it again I clean my garage have you ever done that before you take the cars out and you take all the junk out of the garage and sweep the corners and sweep where the cobwebs grow up. Maybe my, I'm the only one that's got a dirty garage. And then you organize, you put stuff back in, and then you pull your car in the garage, and what's it feel like? Man, it feels really, feels really good. I, I, my kids brought me upstairs, I guess maybe a month ago, and they said, Dad, we cleaned out the closet, because we had one of those closets that you open it, and all the stuff falls out. 
I mean, I have one of those closets. It's just like, <laughs> it's like, don't open that closet. What's in there? Just don't open it. Just don't open it. Don't worry about it. Just don't open it. And then they open it and they had cleaned all of it out. And whenever we bring order to things, it brings pleasure. So this is a time where we bring our life, bring things back in order. So I want to talk to you, though, this morning about technology and about bringing this part of your life in order because it can get out of order. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all see people like this all the time? How many of y'all are that person? Thank you. Yes. The average person checks their phone 46 times a day. By 2019, we'll spend 10 hours a day uh, with digital consumption. That'll be television, uh, mobile media, and desktop media. Uh, we're, we're cruising. We're moving towards 360 minutes a day of being plugged in, which that's 10 hours a day of being in front of some type of screen. And our kids will never know anything different. How I many of y'all know that? I was thinking, and I used to say this. I used to think, man, my kids will never know life without a cell phone. But now it's my kids will never know life without the internet. And then the next thing that's coming, I read an article because I've been reading along these lines. And I could share with you for hours about some of this stuff. And some of it's really alarming, the things that we're moving into. But uh, one, one, several of the articles said that within 10 years, Facebook and Twitter will be archaic. Let that sink in because how many are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that? They're saying now that within 10 years, that will be archaic. That will be a relic of our technological revolution. And you think, well, how in the world could something 10 years old that is such a huge part of our life, how could that possibly become a relic and I was thinking about it, and then I remembered the flip phone. How many of you remember the flip phone? I actually dug out some of my old, uh, some of my old stuff. Uh, I wish I had all of it, because how many of it's been probably 15 years ago, but the iPhone's been out 11 years now. It's been out 10 years. They've sold 700 million pieces of the iPhone. Uh, Apple owns 94% of everything that's on smartphones, including like if you have a Samsung, all those apps, 94% of them are owned by Apple. They're bigger than Exxon Mobil now, two times over. They're pretty significant company, the most valuable company on the planet right now. And all that's happened within 10 years because 10 years ago, uh, how many of y'all thought that you were all the jazz in the club with this right here? Like, hey, look what I got today. Got this flip phone. How many of y'all know this is now a relic? Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> you still got it. Yeah, some of, y'all, some of y'all good people still got the horse and carriage. Yes, yes. Still got the horse and carriage. I, I, I feel you. But how many of y'all know this is now a relic? It really is. I remember the first cell phone that I had was not the big square Miami Vice one, but the Miami Vice one that flipped. The big block. How many of y'all remember before that it was in a bag? 
It's like a briefcase. You had to carry your cell phone in a briefcase. It's like it sat right there in between the two seats on the front seat, and you had to pull it up on the console, open it up, and dial a number. But how many of y'all know all of you that are older, a little bit older, not that much older, but before that, they were corded. I have a corded one in my office over here just to show the kids because it's crazy. It's like, and I was like, what is that? Like, that's a phone, bro. That's how a phone used to be. And my grandma had the one that you had to do this, right? You didn't want people with zeros, right? Because then you got to go all the way around. It's like you wanted the ones and the twos. That's what you wanted in that thing. But, but this, 10 years, this is now archaic. And I remember whenever, I, whenever me and Elizabeth got our first flip phone and then so I had the flip phone in one pocket and then I'll never forget whenever I saw the first iPod the one with the wheel the big square how many of y'all remember some of y'all don't even remember that and 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 I, I saw that thing in person a guy at the church had it and he said it holds like a thousand songs or something like that and I was floored I was blown away so I got me one of them so I had an iPad here not iPad but the big iPhone here and then I had a flip phone here and then I had a digital camera Seven megapixel, y'all. It was awesome. You just plugged it in, right? And I had, I had that back here. And then I had the palm. How many of y'all remember the palm with the stylist? I didn't have nothing in that calendar, but it was cool. It was cool. You had that palm organizer. So you had one in all four. And I literally, no joke, I remember thinking, man, if they could combine just a couple of these Instead of having four, I would just have two, one in this pocket and one in this pocket. And then Steve Jobs stood up with his black turtleneck on and he unveiled first generation iPhone, dropped the microphone for the century. This was it. And this is where we live now. Ten years later, all of those other things that I just spoke of, you can't even find them. They are relics. And they're saying now that within ten years, what we think is all the jazz, Twitter won't even, it'll be a relic. You won't even, you won't even consider because of uh, virtual reality. They said within two to four years, every person will have goggles. And that within ten years... People will be plugged in and will be living in a virtual world because, and they, they say, think about how hard it is for you to set this phone down at dinner time and not pick it up. How many of y'all struggle with that? How many of y'all struggle with, with driving like this? And then you see the law. <laughs> right? Now you got to find it, right? Now you got to pick it up because you're texting and driving, Right? Think about how hard it is now, and now they're saying with virtual reality, I, what I'm having to say now is my kids will never know a life without VR. They'll never know a life without AI, artificial intelligence, with robotics. Right now, Noble's taking robotics and coding as a, he's, he's in sixth grade right now. This is where we're at. That they'll never, we're beyond the internet. Now we're talking about that people just that whenever they go home, why deal with life at home whenever you can get into a reality and be whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, for as long as you want, and then take your goggles off and go back to work. And this is not stuff that's happening and in, in far off in the future. This is stuff that's happening right now. I'm going to shock you in that where they're at with robotics it's unbelievable Well, what, what they, they have robots that look like real people. And this is, I'm telling you, 
we're going to some uncharted territory right now in our nation, in our nation right now, in Las Vegas and other cities where prostitution is legal. You can either go into a room with a robot or with a human. That's no joke. That's Search, find out. I'm not telling. I'm not lying here. In America right now, and you're like, what in the world is going on? I'm telling you, we're living in an unusual time in history. So I gave you a worship guide. Some of you are shocked. Your mouth's open. Uh, but I'm telling you, where were they going with robots in the next 10 years? How many of y'all know that it's not that far off in the future that the new thing on people's bucket list will be to, to leave gravity with Virgin Mobile and with SpaceX? This is within the next few years. You'll be able to pay 10 grand and go to outer space, experience zero gravity, and come back to Earth. How many of y'all want that on your bucket list? Used to be skydiving was all the rage. Now we're leaving the galaxies. It's like, now we're leaving Earth to go up to outer space to look at the Earth and come back down. I'm telling you, we are living in an unusual time in history. So two things I, I, I want to share with you. First is technology is really convenient. How many of y'all know it's convenient? I'm so glad I don't have four things that I'm trying to sit on now. I'm so glad that if I want to know anything about anything, I'm so glad I used to have a TomTom. How many of y'all had a TomTom? That was probably my fifth device and you stuck it up on the window of your car and it would tell you where to go. I mean, I know you don't need a TomTom anymore. It's archaic. Everything is in your pocket. Thousands of songs and videos. It's changed all these facets of our life and it's really, really convenient. I'm going to set these down. But how many of y'all remember this one? How many of y'all had that one? At the gym, y'all, working out. Don't have the big club thing. Now you get to clip it. I had some other ones, but I won't even get into all of them. Things are changing, though, and I want you to know that, it's, that, that a lot of it's not bad. Here, Mike, you have that. Uh, no, you can't have it because those are going to be worth money one day. They're going to be in the Smithsonian. <laughs> it's gonna be, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not bad because there is a convenience factor to these uh, devices. I'm going to read you a couple statistics just about Apple because it's interesting. If I can get into this Apple that thing that I'm messing with right here. A third of the population owns an iPhone. Apple downloads 51 apps a minute. That comes to 26 million apps are, are downloaded every year through Apple. 94% of smartphone profits go to Apple. Gum sales have declined 15% since 2007 because of the iPhone. Anybody want to know why? Is anybody, can they guess? Anybody can guess? It's fun, just trivia. Nope. Because at the checkout, you used to browse for gum. But now what's everybody doing at the checkout? They on the phone, baby. I'm just waiting for the next person in front of me. I'm on my phone and it's messing up our gum sales. And this is really upsetting to me. On the weekend of the first, the first weekend of iPhone 6, whenever they unveiled it, they sold at 50 devices a second. That's how fast they flew off the shelf. It says in, in 2015, 49% of new device activations during Christmas were iPhones. Half of the gifts at Christmas in 2015 were iPhones. iPhones. A third of U.S. students now own iPhones. 
Apple's worth more than ExxonMobil and three times as much as GE General Electric. So iPhones, they are, they're, they're an incredible convenience, but they're also what I, the main bulk of what I want you to see this morning is they're a distraction. And I'm going to read something to you which is really interesting because they're a distraction and they, uh, uh, distractions can really hurt us spiritually. They can hurt us financially. They can hurt us in a lot of ways. But, but uh, technology for many people has become an escape. It's an escape from something that they don't want to deal with. Used to, you would escape through drugs and alcohol. But how many of y'all know technology now is just as addictive? And they've proven that, that there's endorphins that go off whenever you get a like on Facebook. Something happens in your brain that is just like, ah, and, and, and finding something, scrolling. But how many of y'all know you'll never get to the end of Facebook? How many of y'all have ever tried to get to the end? You're just like, where is the end of this thing? Where is the end? There is never an end. Why? Because they get paid per click. And for the longer you're on there, the more money they make. So you'll never find the end to Instagram because they're just... And they put psychological triggers in there that say, you'll never believe what they did next. And they put a little picture right there. How many of y'all have been, been suckered into that? Thank you, Cora. And you click on it and then it brings you to like a 42-thing slideshow. And you're like, oh, man. Now, every one of those that you click, they get paid, right? They're, they're getting paid. So, so it becomes incredibly addictive, and it's a huge distraction. And, but it, it, it's part of it is people, I believe, that they're missing something in their life. There's a great big gaping hole in our souls, and since the dawn of time, we've been trying to find something that satisfies. Just something that satisfies me. There's a famous comedian now called Louis C.K. And he, has a, he had a show called Louis. And some of his things obviously are unsavory. He's a comedian. But I saw him on Conan O'Brien. And uh, him and Conan were interacting with each other. And he, he was talking about technology. And he said something that was... It was funny if you're just watching it. But if you read it, it's really sad but true. So I want to read what Louis C.K. said on Conan O'Brien. Uh, about cell phones and they're going to put it up there it says because underneath everything in your life there's that thing that empty forever empty do you know what I'm talking about and Conan says yes yes I know what you're talking about it's just like that the knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone and sometimes when things clear away and you're not watching anything or if you're in your car and you start going Oh no, here it comes, that I'm alone. And it starts to visit on you, the sadness. Life is tremendously sad just by being in it. And then you're driving and texting. And I look around and pretty much 100% of people are driving and texting. Everybody is murdering each other with their car. But people are willing to take a life and ruin their own because they don't want to be alone for a second. Pretty compelling coming from a guy on a late night TV show who makes his money to being funny. And yet I think he hits a lot of it on the head. That people just don't want to deal 
in reality. And some of it's just boredom, right? Some of it's just like, okay, I'm waiting for my Chipotle. Uh, so I'm going to see what's happening, right? But some of it clearly is people, they just don't want to deal. They don't want to be alone. And it becomes a distraction. It becomes a hindrance for us. So I take the, this beginning of the, the school year. It just takes some time to refocus and evaluate these tremendous machines that we have. But there's something that's interesting. There's what's called the five levels of change. And if you have your worship guide, we're going to go over these five levels. And this comes from a psychologist in the 50s. And people, this stuff's been repeated for the past five decades. It's taught in colleges, universities all across our globe. And it's called Bloom's Taxonomy of Change. Bloom's Taxonomy of Change. And it, all this is is a psychologist, a guy that's the, the, he's, he's given his life to figuring out how and why people change. What makes people change. And uh, the, the first one is you become aware. You become aware. We've all seen people pin things on their lapel, right? Or it's breast cancer awareness, right? So all the football guys are going to wear hype pink. How many y'all ready for that? How many y'all ready for some football? Man, I'm so ready. So ready. But they'll do diabetes awareness, some type of awareness. And the first way that you change is that you become aware. The second thing, the, the, the step in change, is that you begin to ponder. So you go from awareness and you begin to think about it. And you get some information, some research on it. The third, way, the third step in change is that, uh, is that now it becomes a value to you. It becomes a value, something that you're saying, I'm going to appropriate this into my life. This is, this is what I'm going to do. And then next is there's a big giant gap. And the gap is so big that most people live their life, they never get beyond the first three and bridge the gap to actual change. Now, to simplify this for you, how many of y'all have become aware that diet and exercise are important? It's bad for you, <laughs> you both says. How many, how many of y'all have ever begun to ponder that? And then how many of y'all have actually owned it or, 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 or said that this is something that I'm going to incorporate into my life? How many of y'all know there's a big gap? Everybody say big gap. There's a big, 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 ginormous crevice. And it's deep. It's a deep crevasse in between actually valuing it and doing something about it. I mean, can I get a witness? Now, from a pastor's perspective, I see countless people become aware of Jesus. And then they'll see they need Jesus. And then they'll actually accept Jesus. But between accepting Jesus and really changing, there is a tremendous gap there. From where it actually is something... It's not just what they've done, it's who they are. Because on the other side of change, or on the other side of this, they call it the behavioral gap or the action gap. Then there is action and then you own it. How many of y'all think reading your Bible? How many of y'all ever become aware of, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. You're aware of it. 
It's a good thing. You value it. But how many of y'all have ever been in that gap before? What's in the gap? Well, there's several things in the gap, but I want you to, you just write distraction. Because many of us, many of us have sat down to read our Bible. And then what chimes? The phone. Can I, can I get a witness? How many of y'all been there? How many of you say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sit down and I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to read my Bible for the next seven days. And you'll sit down and you'll get your little cup of coffee sitting right there. And then what dings? The phone goes off. A text comes in. And you become distracted. All of us have said, I'm going I'm to do, do good health-wise. And then you go to a shindig. <laughs> Shindig's what we call small group here. And there's usually food everywhere. And more shindigs have ruined my diet than I care to think about. You think, I'm going I'm, I'm to turn over new leaf. I'm valuing this. I'm going to eat well. And then you go to the office and there's a box of donuts <laughs> And things get messed up, right? In that gap, you just get 100% totally distracted. And for you and I, whenever it comes to making real life change, that, 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 that thing there in our hand, it can really hinder us from making change. You sit down, you say, I want to have dinner with my kids. I see value in that. And then here comes a chime, a ding, a text. An email. I saw, I love that it. it says that it takes six seconds to check, the, to check an email. An average email takes six seconds to check it. But if people click on an email, it's 25 minutes before they actually get back to the zone of engagement that they had before. Oh, how many of y'all know exactly what they're talking about? I'm just going to check this email. I'm just going to check this. And then 25 minutes later, you're still where? On the phone. You're still scrolling. You're still looking. You're still searching. And your kids are still waiting. It becomes a huge distraction. Is it convenient? Yes. Is it awesome? It's pretty awesome. But do we need to be aware of the fact that six seconds is never six seconds? I mean, I'm talking about. It's never six seconds. And I'm a preacher and I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. You just happen to be in the room. Because I got, I got a sack full of phones. Right? I'm that guy. I like this type of stuff. I, I, I like it. I, I'm into it. And yet I really have to watch it. Because to be plugged in for 10 hours a day is a long time. And what keeps us from really changing many times is not that we don't have good intentions. We all make it to step one, two, and three. But intentions don't bridge the gap of change. They don't. What bridges the gap of change is recognizing the distraction in operating in, in self-control. One of my favorite quotes I heard 20 years ago, and it's really helped me over the years, and it's from a guy named Andrew Murray, and he said, force yourself into a prayer life. Now, this guy was somebody that was alive in the 1800s, and yet even in the 1800s, he recognized there's certain things you'll have to force yourself to do or you'll get incredibly distracted. So I want to read to you in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's the only passage I'm going to give you this morning. Some Sundays I'll give you 30 scriptures. This morning I'm going to look at one passage of scripture because this is uh, about a young man, and he's hanging out at church a lot. 
And he's got a mentor in the ministry. And the young man's name is Samuel. And his mentor, his name is Eli. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 1, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread, widespread revelation. But it came to pass at that time that while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had become to grow dim so that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was lying down that the Lord called to Samuel. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to use paper some today. Y'all remember this? This stuff here is called paper. Uh, and I don't, always, I, don't, I, don't, I don't always use this. But here you've got two individuals and they're laying down and it's quiet. And God begins to speak. And the first thing I want you to see is that God speaks. God's always broadcasting. We're just usually on a different channel or a different device. I want you to know that God speaks. He's always speaking. He's wanting to say something He's wanting to speak to you and I. But there needs to be times where there's nothing else on. It says here that the lights of the lamps were starting to dim. They need, they're going down. And there needs to be times for you and I, if we want to hear God speak, that the light of technology needs to dim. Oh, you'll never hear from God. You'll go year after year after year wondering where God is. And he's in the silence. He's in the quiet. And there needs to be times where you really do. You turn your phone off. Turn it down. For most of us, the first thing we see when we wake up in the morning is the light of a phone. And the last thing we see is the light of a phone. That's what we put our energy, our time in. But I want you to see right here that a young man, he's not some old seasoned preacher. It says here, God wasn't even saying that much. But as the, as, as the light begins to go down, you're going to see that God, God speaks to him. God says something to him. It says, verse number 4, it says, The Lord called Samuel. 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 How many of you know God's still calling? Keith. Keith. I see you, Keith. Tawny. God's calling. God's calling. And Samuel, he says, here am I. So he ran to Eli and he says, here I am, for you called me. And Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went to lay down. And then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call my son. Lie down Again, how I many of know a lot of times whenever God's calling, we run to the wrong source. We, we run to the wrong source. God's, God's broadcasting. He's saying something. But you got a young man here that he doesn't recognize the call of God. So he's running to the wrong source looking for answers. You call me? You call me? You call me? He says, I didn't call you. I didn't call you. Go, 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 go. Uh, go, go lay down again. And then the last time it says... And now at verse number seven, I love this. He says, now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. But the Lord called to Samuel again the third time. 
How many of y'all glad God doesn't quit? How many of y'all glad He'd give you a bunch of chances? Come on, there was years I did not answer the call of God. I ignored it and I found other things to, to silence His call. I remember I worked on a tugboat for about a week. On the Mississippi River, I worked on a tugboat for a whole week. And one of the reasons is, is because one of the reasons I quit is, is because these tugboats, you know, they may be 20 barges long. And they had me way out on the tip of this barge on the Mississippi River. And it was quiet. It was quiet, quiet, quiet. The sun was there. And at the time, boy, I was running from the Lord. I was in all kind of stuff I had no business being in. But in that quietness, the Lord would call me. He'd say, this is not where you're supposed to be. The call of God's upon your life. I have something for you to do. This is not where you're supposed to be. But I mean, I know that a lot of times we don't want to hear that call sometimes. So we run to other sources and other things. And yet that, that is, that's where our strength is. That's where our help is. That's where our peace is. That's where our grace is. But I'll just, I'll just admit to you, I didn't last three or four days out there because the call of God, the calling was so loud in my heart, I could not take it. And at that season of my life, I could not be alone. I had to be dating somebody because I did not like to be at home alone. I was always at a party. I was always surrounded by people because I needed it loud. I needed it louder than the calling on the inside of me. And maybe you're, maybe you're here and you're like that. I can tell you I've lived it. I've done it. But now I welcome that call. Right now I welcome hearing his voice. Right now it's not something that scares me. It's something that I'm, I'm enamored by the creator of the universe willing to call. But here you got a man that he keeps running to the wrong source trying to hear God. And, I, and I've got to pick it up. It says verse number 8. It says the Lord called Samuel again. So he arose and he went to Eli and he says here I am for you did call me. But Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you, you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. I love that. He had a place. And you have a place where you can hear from God. God will speak to you. God wants to talk to you. So this time the Lord came and stood and called as he did at other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. Now, there's about to be, and an, an, you have to finish reading, and it's really interesting what happens here. But up until that point, the Lord would always speak to Eli, and that was his mentor. But after this, the Lord doesn't speak through Eli. Now the Lord speaks directly to Samuel. And I want you to know that God wants to speak directly to you. And I think a lot of times people come to church to hear the voice of God through me or through somebody else, whoever it is that you like to watch. I want to hear the voice of God through Stephen Furtick. How many of y'all like Stephen Furtick? How many of y'all like whoever your favorite person is? You know, I sat with, uh, 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 we talked, I don't have time to go into it, but all of our people that we talked about who our favorite people were, you know, Ruby's got her favorite people. We all have different people that we like to listen to and we like to hear God through those people. But I want you to know God wants to talk to you. God wants to speak to you personally, directly. You won't have to go through Eli 
still come to church, right? I still want you to come, right? But there came a point in this young man's life, he went from not knowing the Lord until where now he could hear the voice of God and God would speak to him. Last thing I'm going to read you and then I'm going to let you go. It says, I, I, this is really interesting. This is written by a guy in 1849. How many of y'all think some of the old timers are pretty smart? Some of the old timers are pretty, pretty, pretty smart. And this is a book that, that was called Consider Your Ways or Consider Your Paths. And his name's John Lyle. He says, let us not neglect little duties. Let us not allow ourselves in little falls. Whatever we may like to think, nothing is really of small importance. I'm sorry. Whatever we may like to think, nothing is really of small importance that affects the soul. We think, oh, that doesn't matter. It's never of small importance when it affects your soul. All diseases are small at the beginning. Many a deathbed begins with a little cold. Nothing that can grow is large all at once. The greatest sin must have a beginning. Nothing that is great comes to perfection in a day. Character and habits are a result of little actions. Little strokes made that ark which saved Noah. Little pins held firm the tabernacle, which housed the glory of God. We too are traveling through a wilderness. Let us be careful not to leave the pins behind. That was really good. We think that this little thing is not, not a little thing. It's a significant thing. So this is a Sunday, right? This is a time, 21 days of prayer. I've been sharing links on Facebook of, of links that you can watch in our prayer. You can come up here to prayer. This is a time where we just refocus and we find out, God, what? Uh, uh, God, I need to realign with some things. How many of you ever had your car get out of line before? You just got to bring it back into alignment, right? Why? Because it just keeps pulling you off to the right. How many ever felt technology just pull you off to the right? You better get them tires balanced, right? You better get that thing realigned. Proverbs chapter 4, it says, ponder. Remember that word? It says, ponder the path of your feet. In other words, consider the direction that you're going. Consider what you're doing. And I would encourage you to consider your kids. How many of your kids have some technology? My kids saw my sack of phones. And they said, we want a phone. They wanted me to activate one of them for them. I said, you have lost your mind. You are not. No way. Not yet. Not yet. I'm holding them off, right? I'm holding them off. Why? Because I have to consider not just my path, but their path. Not just ponder my path, but ponder their path. Why? Because I, I want them to bridge the gap and not just get distracted. Not, not just get distracted. I want you guys to sit down with your Bible. And whenever that thing, that thing dings, remember, it ain't six seconds. You have mail. And you think, I'll just check this email. 25 minutes back <laughs> to the point of engagement. Sitting down to dinner with your kids. Face down. Ding. Six seconds, hun. I've done this before. I tell my wife. Six seconds. Just, babe, just check it. Let me check it. Let me check it. No, no, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm.